Welcome to What's On Your Mind with me, Janie Rott. C. Jones is another one of my amazing friends from Tennessee. They're a Greek-American thing maker, and their visual art is housed in the archive at Visual Aids, where they also work as an oral history project liaison. They're also an author and an artist, and I have so many wonderful, amazing memories in high school and our wonderful theater days, and it's just so cool to see all of the projects that you're working on and what you're up to these days, so it was really lovely connecting with you. Get ready for a really fun episode where we talk about video games and creation and making things and just reminiscing about the good old days. Hey, C, what's on your mind? Hi. Hi, Jenny. Um, the opposite in German. Wait, this is hilarious. Siri thought I said Siri. <laughs> Hi to her also. Um, I hope that she's also having a lovely day. What is on my mind right now? Do you know what's on my mind? I've been playing um, uh, any free moment that I get. I am just playing video games. And so what is on my mind right now is character creation in video games. That's oh what's gosh. on my mind. Okay, I want to follow both of those threads. So I'm going to offer you a choose your own adventure of where we're going to take this conversation next. <laughs> because I, I, I guess I should give a disclaimer. So me and C go back because we went to, I think we met in high school. Was it high school? Yeah, yeah it was high school. Um, so I've always known you as quite a, uh, a storyteller and a character creator. So yeah. we can either... Start by going down the role of what does creating characters look like for you and what does that mean for you? And or the path of that you said, well, when I find free time, I do this. So <laughs> I would also just love to be like, why'd you phrase it like that? <laughs> totally, totally. Yeah. No, these are good. Also, like, thanks for the storytelling framing, because I think that actually makes a lot of sense and goes goes hand in hand. Like, I've got this huge book in my head. It's like a big, I'm, I'm calling it a, a modern epic. I know how pretentious that sounds, but that, that just is what it is. Yeah. I'm reading a lot of epic poetry. I'm just like in love with all of that right now. The reason that I say that is because when I find these fantasy video games, like for example, right now I'm playing Elden Ring, which is incredible. Um, and it has such robust character customization. So like to the point where like, you can change the entire like setup of somebody's face. Um, you can just like really just like build a person basically. And then like that is the character that you play the game as. And so what I find out that I've been doing, it's like very therapeutic uh, and relaxing, but also sort of like um, significant to me in a way is, is like, I think I spend more hours creating the characters from my book on that game than I do actually playing the game. I mean, the game is very fun, but I spend all these hours just like making the characters from my book and then running around as them. And it's so nice to like be in a different skin for a little while, if that makes sense. Like, uh, yeah. And I, I think, I don't know if I like, Maybe we will get back to the if I had time question because I was just about to say that again. If I had time, <laughs> I would write, I would like write this essay 
you know, about uh, something that's been on my mind about how I think it's actually like a very, just like a a liberating gender affirming activity, I think, to like remake myself as these beautiful men and beautiful women and beautiful people um, and run around in skins that are not my own, that I don't get to move through the world in every day. And um, I just think there's something about like the possibility of reinvention and like the potential of like so many different reinventions that is really, really special to me. Um, below the surface level, like, you know, like, Ooh, I like this, you know, I like this color for the eyes versus, you know, something else. I think that's, I mean, this is why you're the perfect podcast guest because I, (laughs) this is in a sense, not what I was expecting, but also kind of like exactly what I was expecting. This is awesome. (laughs) So what I find so beautiful and fascinating about what you said is that, so your author also, I don't know if you call yourself an author or a writer or a storyteller. I kind of see you as, as all of those. What, what is the term that you refer, prefer to be called? Do you know what's funny is that I've been using the term thing maker for the longest time because that's what I do I make things I just I think that makes the most sense (laughs) I like it okay so you are a thing maker and as you make things you are creating these characters that obviously like you know they have their own storylines they move they move through plot Mm -hmm. and when you make when you are in these video games are you creating and are you making these characters to align with how you have written them in your stories? Or are these almost like, okay, now I'm going to take whatever I wrote in these stories and I'll transplant them into this world. And now I'm going to transform them to fit into this world. Yeah, no, it's a little bit of both. Honestly, like sometimes I let the lore of the game dictate, I create the character from the book, but then I'm running around in the world and like there's lore already in the world. So like when the lore in the video game collides with the blank spots in my head about this character, then there's like really beautiful moments of opportunity for like development of that character. And then like that also like ends up telling me something about myself. Like why, why is this, why does this character have this value or why suddenly do you feel that this character would behave a certain way? It's like productive daydreaming. I think that's oh, that's cool. It's like that's <laughs> or, or like interactive daydreaming, maybe. Yeah. Or also research. Also research. <laughs> yeah, we can also make an academic. Keep in, keep in mind, I am not writing any of this. Uh, I'm writing so many notes, but it's it. You know, I write very slowly, so like the story and the book itself, like is very slow in the writing, but that's because all of this other daydreaming stuff really makes me happy. And and that's the fulfilling part. Yeah. That's really interesting. So like, it's more than just of your thing making, it's more than the writing. It's like the entirety of that creative process, which is even like coming up with these characters. Yes, it is. It is their look and their physical attributes and the, and the things like that. But it's, it's like you're, you're defining and clarifying their role and their values and who they are as they go through these games. And then that then informs maybe their character and this future book that may or may not happen. Right. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. And it's also, I mean, it's also just like a nice, uh, it's a good place for my head to go to decompress this is probably going back to to the other fork in the road from 
the beginning of your question, which is I've been a I've been teaching English and creative writing at um, the university level here in New York for like six years and some change. I've been involved with an organization called Visual Aids for a long time. They're an arts and advocacy organization dedicated to preserving the legacies of artists who have been lost to HIV and AIDS while also supporting artists living with HIV um, and AIDS today. Um, and so I've been involved with them for a number of years, but I only recently became staff to uh, coordinate a pretty ambitious oral history project. Um, so there's there's 22 artists living with HIV around the globe who we've paired together um, for oral histories, basically like for recorded conversations. Um, they're not mediated. Um, they are truly conversations where, you know, each artist acts as record and recorder for one another. And we're really trying to prioritize like intergenerational narratives and the narratives of black folks and indigenous folks and people of color and long-term survivors. All of that is just to say that like, this is all work that is very important to me, but also like, not going to lie, super draining, <laughs> you know, cause you, you, um, you have to have these like reserves that you're just sort of constantly pouring from. Yeah. Sometimes the only way to like fill myself back up is, is going into that daydream space, you know, whether it's just in my head or with notebook or actually playing the games or whatever. Yeah. Well, and it's funny because even in the times where you're taking time for yourself and like you said, filling up your reserves, it's still productive. It's still productive daydreaming. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know. We, yeah. What were we we were talking about earlier, like earlier before, like both of us, like we just can't stop work. Like we just can't sit still. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Wow. Well, I mean, congratulations. First of all, I know that this, this has been kind of a, a pretty recent um, thing in the making, right? This work that you're doing with the artists. Yeah. I've only been working since December. uh, And we just finished recording our second oral history out of 11. So two down, nine to go. I'm feeling pretty good about it. <laughs> For when these, uh, as you're documenting these oral histories, is it more to kind of create a repository and to kind of archive these for, you know, future generations to listen to? Or is it going to be kind of compiled into some type of showcase? Or I don't know if y'all have thought that far, but what what's, yeah. what's your vision or hope to what it could be? No, those are all really good questions that I am thinking about. I mean, so first and foremost, they're going to be included like as part of the visual aids archive are aiming to develop a a separate sort of single service website to highlight the oral histories so that even though they are part of the archive, they can exist as their own um, accessible to the public free, um, just like vault of uh, celebration of life and record and information. So um, my hope is that, you know, with, each artist's um, permission um, that, you know, this as far reaching as possible, you know, so that as many people can have access to these histories as, as they can. All right. It's time for a quick break. And let's get back to it. I think that we have a tendency to like historicize certain things, just like us as a country or whatever. And I think that we put AIDS 
like on the east and west coast in like the 80s and 90s in this country. HIV and AIDS has been around before and is still around. And like that was a significant turning point in this country for our relationship to the virus and understanding it. There's people living with and dying from complications of um, HIV like today. Like I myself have been living with it for five years now. There's people that I'm facilitating through the project who have been living with this virus longer than I've been alive. I'm going to turn 30 next month. Um, And that's just insane to me, you know? And so like that, that can't get like, go of that's such a good point and something that i absolutely see us doing very much here in the united states like you say and i think the common theme that i see with a lot of this is like anything that's rooted in like a really like difficult systemic issue that people don't want to talk about we like to pretend that it's just in the past yeah and then we just like to pretend that okay from but now we're just in progress mode and it's that's not the reality the reality is that it's that the past is still the present or things have maybe been repackaged sometimes in a different way but that absolutely you're right i mean a lot of these things like we we learn about it as if they're like in our history textbooks rather than being like, no, this is a current event. This is happening and impacting people right now and will continue to impact people for several generations. Right. Yeah. It's a very, very long current event. It's an intergenerational current event. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) The past just gets bigger and bigger, you know? So. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, that's amazing work that you're doing. Um, If you, I mean, I only ask this because I've now known you since... I don't want to say it's going to make me sound old, but it's a long time. <laughs> We've known each other now. for a long time. Yeah. And, um, and it's, you know, it's fun with social media. I feel like I go in and out of kind of staying connected to people, at least peripherally. And right. if you were to look back at, you know, your journey and where you are today doing what you're doing, does it surprise you to see what you're doing now? It doesn't surprise me that I'm still playing as many video games as I was. Um, <laughs> but, but no, uh, honestly, it, it really does. Um, I think I'm, you know, I moved out of Tennessee to the city thinking that I was going to, I don't know what I thought I was going to do, that I was going to, I mean, it was a kid. I was going to like take the literary world by storm or like whatever, you know, thing I had yeah. in my head. I had no idea what was going to you know, what was going to come around the corner. And um, I know it's a weird thing to say, but I'm I'm grateful for all of it. Yeah. Like, you know, even the not super great parts, because they've all landed me here. So yeah, I don't know. I think baby me would be very surprised uh, and probably a little bit shocked and dismayed. But, um, but I think um, currently would like to reassure them. <laughs> that it's, it's not the worst spot to be in. Yeah. I mean, and I'll, you know, just me as an outsider who is looking at you now, I mean, I'm, I'm super proud of you. of just kind of seeing, I mean, we're, we're so similar in age, but you know, I was, I was like your theater director, you know, so kind of seeing <laughs> how know. far that you've come. And, you know, I think you've, from when I've known you, you've always wanted to tell stories. Um, mm-hmm. 
And I feel like you're doing that today. And that's, that's super cool. I think even back then I was like, you're going to, you're going to be someone cool <laughs> and, I mean, and you are, and you are, and you're going to continue to be somebody really cool. Well, Jenny, I've been, I've been looking up to you for a while too. And I mean, even back then, like those days, like, I don't know, it meant so much to get even just like a smile or a laugh or like a nod, you know, from, yeah. from people like you that were like, you know, like maybe just like a rung above me who I really just respected. And like, now you're like doing this whole podcast and like, you've got like, you've collected so much and so like many different <laughs> voices and stories over the course of this. Like, I don't know, collector. I just, yeah. Well, I mean, me too, but, yeah. but I just want to say that I'm, you know, proud of you as well. Like this Aww. is exciting. Oh, that's sweet. Well, I, I think you definitely, like you were saying like, Oh, I'm going to take the literary world by storm. And I think you definitely have are in the literary world. Cause I know you, you, you have published poems, you've published stories. So, um, I want to give you a chance to shout out, you know, anything that you're really proud of and you want people to buy and support where, where can people find your works and support you? Yeah, totally. I mean, so my, my first book is actually set in Tennessee. It's a, a very short kind of haunted house novel. It's very strange. Um, it's called Instill Rooms. Um, I would prefer it if you bought it off of bookshop.org because then a little bit of your money can go to local booksellers um, as opposed to Amazon. But I also know that Amazon is sometimes the only option. Um, that was published by the operating system two years ago. And then soon uh, I will have a, a second little chapbook coming out. Uh, it's a collaboration with my friend Vicente Sampao. He's a, a Portuguese visual artist um, and it's called Baleen, like the whales, uh, a poem in 12 days. Um, and that's coming out with, with Ursus Americanus Press. Um, again, wherever books are sold. So hopefully this summer. That's very exciting. And everybody be on the lookout for this wonderful epic poem that it will hit our shelves <laughs> at some point in some future with some really cool characters that yeah. now you know the creative process that these characters have been <laughs> developed. So it's going to be good. <laughs> yeah. If in 30 years this book comes out, then, you know, and you've heard this, then you can, you'll know like, oh, okay, got it. Yeah, got it. <laughs> this was this was built. <laughs> it was very, very slowly and intentionally and with purpose. Yep. Well, thank you, C, for your time, for being you, for just continuing to be this creative inspiration and force in the world and for doing also such good. You know, that's another thing. I don't think a lot of people really understand, like you said, how draining it can be to do good in the world and to also still find the time for yourself. So thank you for managing to do that. And I do hope you do continue to find little, little bits of time for yourself because we, we need people like you on this world. Thank you, Jenny. I appreciate you so much. And I have a lot of love for you. <laughs> Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode or any other episode, please rate, review, subscribe, follow, all of the things. Thank you to all the supporters and sponsors of What's On Your Mind. Check out jannyrod.com for my latest updates. Well, friends, until next week.